0: I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, finding yourself in life's little moments. Hi, dear listener. So it's evening. I'm sitting here at my desk in my office. This podcast follows from the previous two, about the conditions here in Sydney, in Australia. I live in Sydney, Australia. And um, the uh, previous two podcasts were about the experience of rain and the need for it. <clears throat> so this uh, this podcast follows from those two and this is going to be a pretty freewheeling podcast And there may be a little bit of foul language. I just want to warn you. I don't use a lot of it, but I'll tell you I've been cooped up all day and a lot's going on and I have been watching kind of alongside that. I've been watching this evening some performances on YouTube of Arlo Guthrie the famous American folk singer-storyteller. And there are very few people who can kind of spin a yarn, as they say back in the States, which means tell a story, and play along and accompanying himself like Arlo Guthrie. And uh, he is famous for um, one of his great epic uh, songs, stories, called Alice's Restaurant. And it was composed and sung first back by Arlo Back in the late 60s. And it was kind of a Vietnam War, um, anti-war anthem and a lot of other things. But in the end, it's just a plain old good story. And uh, it's about Alice's Restaurant and about this whole sort of epic journey that happens for him because he and his friends won Thanksgiving afternoon decide that they're going to dump a half a ton of garbage down a hillside because that was the best way to get rid of it. So anyway, interestingly, um, and again, this is going to be a very freewheeling podcast, but like I said, I've been cooped up all day and uh, watching Arlo <laughs> Arlo <laughs> Guthrie Guthrie videos. So anyway, the thing is interesting is that, you know, the world is very small, dear listener. And I actually lived around the corner for several years from Alice's Restaurant, okay? Years after Arlo Guthrie was first singing about that restaurant. And um, that, that place is located in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. Now, I lived there for several years um, before coming to Australia, and uh, Arlo Guthrie lived pretty nearby as well. And I'll always remember, you know, because like I said to you, I really have this sort of fascination with cars, and... um, down uh, you know, in on the main street of Stockbridge. It, it's it's just a, a sort of incredible iconic place. I mean it was um made famous in uh by Norman Rockwell who painted the um the village scapes and, and the you know the places around there and the people and everything and he you know those images, those paintings of Norman Rockwell, the famous illustrator, are now very famous. So there are some famous people who live around there, have lived around there. Arlo Guthrie still lives around there, and I'll always remember walking down the street, you know, past the Red Lion Inn, which is a uh, the oldest hotel, continuously running hotel in the United States, on the corner, and seeing a vintage Bentley. Okay, a vintage Bentley. I mean, this thing was absolutely pristine, and. You don't see many of those around. You know, I, I, I find it's easy to take notice of a car like that. And I sort of thought, hmm, I wonder, you know, who, uh, you know, kind of who owns it. Or, and I was sort of walking around the car looking with fascination at the leather upholstery. I mean, the car was probably from the 40s, maybe 30s, 40s, somewhere in there. Pristine condition. Well, out walks after several minutes, out walks, a gentleman with a ten-gallon hat, okay, and that's a very big cowboy hat, walks out of the Red Lion and sort of strolls down the stairs. I'd walked away from the car by that time, you know, and uh, but looked back, and I saw that gentleman get in the car. And um, when I glanced a little more carefully, I realized that was Arlo Guthrie. So he lived around there, and he drove at least sometimes. a a pristine vintage, you know, like antique Bentley. Bentleys are made by Rolls-Royce, just so you know, English cars. Um, And you couldn't drive it in the Berkshires in the winter. So this was, in fact, in the summertime. And there was Arlo Guthrie getting into the Bentley with his family, because of course, he's got, you know, wonderful family and very close to his family tours. And and, uh, anyway, this might not be I don't know if this is interesting or not. However, it, it it was really a really great scene. And he got into this this Bentley with his 10-gallon hat and, uh, you know, cowboy hat, and drove off with his family down the street. And I thought, wow, that's something you don't see every day. So anyway, I've been listening to Arlo Guthrie's videos tonight because most of the day I spend inside, the weather has been... the, the The smoke, the haze, the pollution has been just um, terrible. And there's no doubt that there is a lot of... Sorry, I'm going to shut the window. Um, There's no doubt that there is a lot of of fires going on right now. I'm going to shut another window. I actually was able to get a little fresh air, but then this is the downside. Anyway, this doesn't happen that often. Okay, so... Oops. Anyhow. So, but this, um, so yeah, today was a really tough day. And uh, as I'd said in my earlier podcast from today, uh, the um, pollution levels here in Sydney are apparently the worst at this moment, you know, the worst in the world. Now, if you take into account places like Delhi, India, or Beijing, and you know, or Seoul, Korea, you know, these are places I've actually been and I can tell you that the pollution is is just terrible. <laughs> and I think to myself, oh my gosh, Sydney right now is worse than that. Then it just gives you, it, it gave me a sense, but I could tell it was just terrible. So anyhow, this podcast is called Fresh Air. Why? Because actually for a blessed sort of 45 minutes, tonight because I couldn't stand it any longer to be inside I went out and I took my mask with me I've actually become you know somewhat um, uh, educated about masks I went to Bunnings what's Bunnings it's kind of like the Australian equivalent of Home Depot all right and uh, for any Americans you would know what Home Depot is well Bunnings is sort of just same kind of thing here. And they had, okay, so I went there to get a mask because this was a couple of weeks ago because I knew that things were probably not going to get better and that, um, I, you know, like a lot of people, I was already starting to suffer from from the smoke. <clears throat> so I walked into Bunnings, and they had just, when you first got into the door, okay, and this is the place, the size of a place like Home Depot, again, for any Americans. I mean, it's a huge um A huge place that sells everything from plumbing fixtures to, you know, kitchen stuff to hardware to, you know, chains to chainsaws to uh, screen. I mean, you name it, everything for for construction and building in the home and, and everything. So anyhow, rakes and everything. So you walk in the door, right, and the first thing that you see is this bin sits on the floor, probably four by four by four feet, four feet wide, at least maybe at least four feet, four feet high, four feet wide. So what's that? That's that's 16, that's 16 times four. That's like 64 cubic feet, right? Of masks, <laughs> right? Masks. This bin was enormous and all it had was face masks to protect people from the smoke, right? The smog, right? So I spent a good half hour in that place talking to one of the sales people there, and they're all pretty well-versed in in everything, but they've gotten very well-versed in face masks, right? And, um, you know, masks that protect you from dust and smoke and smog and, you know, all of this stuff. So anyway... I chose one, and I've been wearing it when I go out on days like today, and I was in all day because it was so bad. Even with a mask, it would have been bad. But tonight, the wind changed, okay, from being southerly, you know, from the south, which is where, you know, this horrible stuff is happening, dear listeners. We, we, this country, the state, I mean, it. you know, we are being... Um, you know, is being consumed by, you know, there are huge swaths of land that are being consumed by fire. Right now, a lot of that is south of Sydney. So if there's a southerly wind, you know, it's blowing the smoke up into the city. And, you know, I say that at the same time, you know, saying like, oh my gosh, you know, as I speak, you know, places are being consumed by, so, you know, wildlife, you know, people, people's lives, I mean, you name it, So the wind today was very powerful. It was like a good 18 to 20 mile an hour wind coming from the south. So it was blowing all of that smoke right into the city where millions of people live, you know, and the air quality was just, you know, off the charts. I mean, literally off the charts. So, but about 5 p.m., the the wind sort of shifted very slightly from south to south-southeast. Okay, so if you can imagine that, right... It's the slightest shift of, of, you know, direction from the south, just slightly south-southeast. So what's east of here? It's the ocean, all right? So I thought to myself, well, maybe with that slight shift in the wind, you know, that little bit of sliver of space where it was coming from the east uh, would actually bring some fresh air in, you know, and I was hoping that would be the case. For myself and, and, and you know, the millions of people who live here, I mean, for everybody. Sure enough, it did a little bit, right? And I got stir-crazy enough and I could smell, when I opened the window, enough of a slight bit of freshness that I decided to go outside with my mask. So I went out and I went to walk to where I love to make these podcasts usually, which is on my beautiful bench overlooking the beautiful ocean, And I I walked along the, um, I walked along the water, you know, this walkway that walks along the water. It's probably a 10 minute walk up to this promontory that looks over the ocean. And as I was walking along that walkway, dear listener, I have to tell you that I could tell, even with the mask on, I could tell by the feeling of the air on my face, if there was enough freshness that I could take that mask off. Okay. Now... You've probably seen like dogs, right? So dogs apparently have some extraordinary olfactory abilities, like um are 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 bestowed by God with with the most incredible senses of smell. And apparently they can smell just the most minute. I mean, you know, this is why they're used for all sorts of um f- functions, you know, that require smell because they they have the most acute sense of smell, far beyond a human being. But the image that kept coming into my mind was of a beagle or a Labrador, you know, and the littlest, you know, their nose, which is sort of wet and, and moving, and you can just see when a dog's really smelling something, right, and their nose is moving back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth. You could just feel the air that's going into their nose and them sort of ascertaining what that means, what the smells are, what are they smelling, you know, what's in that air, um, whatever it is, right? So I just, this image kept coming of of a beagle and and also of a labrador. I don't know why, but just because their noses, there's very cute noses anyway. And um, (laughs) so, because I was walking along the water, right? And there are places where it's pretty close. You know, there's just some rocks between that walkway and the water, and and you know that's the ocean right the ocean and it would felt like the ocean was kind of emanating this fresh air out of it right because that water was i think the presence of the water was itself purifying the air right so i was just you know i was i was feeling the freshness in my face and then i take off my mask and then i take like a deep breath oh Oh, I could smell a bit of fresh air, you know, I would just fill my lungs with it and then I'd get into another pocket that didn't smell so good and put my mask back on, you know. And this is how I made my way up to my bench. I got up onto the sort of that promontory, that, that cliff overlooking the ocean and it was just all haze, all haze out to sea, okay. And it was actually a little bit less fresh up there, even though there was a stiffer wind, you know, but I think it was kind of blowing, it was blowing the smoke into, um, you know, where I was a bit and uh, more. Um, but any case, it was, it was, it wasn't too bad, but I still, you know, I stayed up there just listening to the, the waves come in and just feeling and looking at the moon, the moon came up, you know, we're in a very interesting time right now. Um, if anybody follows astrology, this is a very interesting time. This is a time that is like happened, you know, 35 years ago. Like this is a pivotal time, all right, um, relative to to astrological kinds of um, meanings and dimensions and so on. And there are aspects of the astrology now that haven't taken place since like the 1600s or the 1100s. I mean, this is how significant what's going on is right now. I mean, really significant. We're talking world changing, you know, life changing. So anyway, I was up there. I was looking at the moon. Um, I could see a bit of it coming in and out of the clouds and uh, got a bit of a whiff, you know, a little bit of fresh air. And then slowly after, you know, a little while, I made my way back down. And um, And then I was thinking, you know... <laughs> was thinking, you know, cause I really, I'm really sensitive. I'm really sensitive to the quality of air, to air quality. I think some people are more sensitive than others. I mean, we're talking about now a very extreme situation, but I'll always remember, you know, but I'm extremely sensitive. I can't be around people who smoke. I can't even be around someone who smokes, who's not smoking, you know, but who smokes. I mean, that's how, cause you know, when a person now I'm just gonna, you know, I don't know if you smoke dear listener. But anyway, I'm going to go into this a little bit because the fact is that for someone who's sensitive and doesn't smoke, um, my experience has been, like I know a guy here who's in his 70s and he smoked like all his life. He literally looks, my mom would always say this, you know, people who smoke, they end up looking like tobacco leaves. That's my mother, right? But anyway, he literally does. He looks like the color of a tobacco leaf and he smells like I actually can't I can't actually talk to him (laughs) because I can't, I can't be close enough to really carry on a conversation and be comfortable at the same time because a person becomes permeated with tar and nicotine. Okay. When they've smoked for a long period of time, they actually literally become permeated. Now, interestingly, um, and and, and and so they emanate, they emanate it. So this whole thing about someone, you know, smoking um, outside, you know, people sort of like if they're in an office or they live in a house or in a, whatever, and, you know, there might be regulations about smoking indoors, they go out and smoke outside it doesn't really work because that smoke is carried, right? Those substances are carried on the person. So I didn't mean this to be like an anti-smoking um, uh, little campaign here, but the fact is that 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 we're living here in a situation where basically being outside is like smoking, okay, right now. And it's that bad. and um, And it reminds me of how sensitive I am to this kind of thing. Anyway, now, I bought back before I left my my marital situation I you know we bought a um an apartment in the Berkshires of western Massachusetts and there was all sorts of good things about this apartment okay there were all sorts of good things about this apartment and I'm a home you know I'm a person who loves being you know loves having a home so that for me was a happy thing the, it was bought though in August, right? Which back there, it was in the middle of summer, hot, right? So all the windows are open, everything's open, everybody's windows are open. You know, we were on the ground floor, um, et cetera. Well, August, September, October, November, it starts to get cold enough. Late October, November, it actually starts to get pretty cold, right? So you shut the windows, the heating goes on, right? I come home one day and I'm like, why do my eyes feel like this, you know? <laughs> What's going on? You know, in in the place that I was otherwise quite satisfied to own, it turns out that the guy upstairs, right, was a smoker. Not only that, he smoked all apparently all the time. Not only that, but he lived up there for 18 years smoking, okay? So over time, right, this began to really become an issue, like a huge issue, and uh, it, it it's, it's a sort of infuriating thing, right, when, when when a person is subjected to something that's bad for their health, you know, for no fault of their own, right, and I did a lot of research about this, because I, I really felt like, is there anything I can do about this? I mean, short of front-loading the guy out of the place, which I couldn't legally do, you know, um... <laughs> what <laughs> are my rights i did a lot of research i did a lot of research so anyway just suffice to say that that apartment above the one that i lived in had become so permeated with smoke over the course of 18 years that even if the guy moved out all right even if the guy moved out and they had they cleaned it you know which meant a thorough clean i mean we're talking so I, I researched this. I talked to people who were like experts on this kind of thing. Smoke, secondhand smoke, okay, is a is a class A carcinogen, all right? So if they were going to clean that apartment, even if the guy moved out, which he wasn't intending to do, and it didn't look like there was any way to get him out of there anyway, they would have had to have come in and clean that place as... With the same kinds of equipment and hazmat suits, which are these huge, you know, hazardous materials suits that the, you know, the workman, the person wears to protect themselves, as if the place was, um, had asbestos in it. Because asbestos is also a class A carcinogen. So smoke, tar nicotine, cigarette smoke, it's a class A carcinogen, right? So they would have had to clean this place as if it had asbestos, same level. Same level of so I thought oh my god <laughs> oh my god that anyway so that was that was something so listener if you're a smoker you know just what can I tell you this is this is the the reality you know this is this is my experience but it's also the truth and um, the thing is that you become the smoke right you become you're 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 you're, you're inhaling that stuff and it's filling you and you walk around with it on you know you literally it, it doesn't matter if you're just smoking outside you bring it into the place with you okay it lives on you it lives in the place with you it's really bad it's like really bad for you so this this evening when i went walking and i had that mask on right and i found myself encountering you know these pockets of fresh air right dear listener. these pockets of fresh air it was an experience of, of ecstatic bliss. I literally felt like I was enlivened by those pockets of fresh air, those, that fresh air that I could smell, I could detect, you know, there near the water. I would just breathe it in. I'll always remember growing up, you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s in a place called Dobbs Ferry, and the air was really good, right? It was a suburb of New York. At that time, the air was really good. There were all sorts of trees around, and I'll always remember in the summer, you know, the trees leafing out, and you smelling the trees, and then the fall, the leaves would, you know, the leaves would fall, and in the autumn and and then they would become sort of dried on the ground and there would be a smell of those fresh, that sort of, that fresh autumn smell and then the winter, the snow, you could smell the snow and then in the spring, you know, you could smell the beginnings of the, the daffodils coming up and then the roses, lilies of the valley, you know, and then you were into summer again. I mean, it was an ongoing experience of, um, I just... Gorgeousness, You know, gorgeousness. So, um, yeah, I've always loved fresh air. Always, always, always. And uh, this is um, the experience I wanted to share with you, that, uh, you know, there were some the blessed pockets of fresh air. I pray things will get better here, dear listener. I pray things will get better. Help me pray for this place, this country, this, you know, help me pray. Because there's a lot going on. Um, but I wanted to share this, inspired by Arlo Guthrie and his wonderful musical storytelling, and uh, which is something I love to do. And um, the fact of being sort of cooped up all day, which you know, when I can't get out, it's I find it very tough. Like I, I get cabin fever within about four hours, you know. And I gotta move, I gotta move, I gotta move. You know, I can't not move there's only so much yoga you can do, you know, in a room (laughs) or lifting free weights, you know, I mean, it's just, you gotta, you know, you gotta move. So anyhow, dear listener, thanks for bearing with me. Um, what can I tell you? You know, fresh air, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And I hope wherever you are, you're, you have some of it. I really do. And, um, I really do cuz it's it's just as good as it gets. I mean it is really. It's really awesome. So god bless you and thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon. All right? Bye for now. Take good care. Bye. Bye.